Thank you for listening to the preaching ministry of Oxford Baptist Church. We pray you'll be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. Man, I'm telling you, I, that's one of my favorite songs. I love that song. I'll tell you, thank you so very much uh, for that beautiful music this morning. It really helped me a lot. How many of you can remember your first grade teacher? Good heavens. My first grade teacher was Ms. Lamb. My second grade teacher was Mrs. Cheney. And my third grade teacher was Mrs. Uh, Lackland. Now, you won't believe this, but when I was a little boy, I stuttered. Maybe one of the reasons why I stuttered is my daddy moved us 42 times. Uh, sometimes he would forget me and I would have to come back and get me, you know. But it was right after the war and we were trying to find life and start all over. And... Uh, Back then, they didn't have all the professionals that they have in school today. As a matter of fact, Mrs. Lackland was really interested in working with children who had uh, different kinds of challenges. Well, well, I would get real nervous. I didn't sound quite like Mel Tillis, but I would get close. And so she worked with me, Mrs. Lackland and Mrs. Cheney. I'll never forget it. And, uh, wow, it was an exciting experience. And then came time for the school play that year, and it was Sleeping Beauty. And they were looking for a prince. And guess who they selected to be the prince in the play? You know why they chose me? It's because I would kiss the girl. <laughs> in the third grade. My fourth grade teacher was Miss Fuquay. Uh, Miss Fuquay was a, a right out of college. And uh, I, I just want to warn you, uh, as you go teach the sixth grade, I fell in love with, with her, Miss Fuquay. She was the prettiest, sweetest, kindest, absolutely blonde hair. Oh, I just, when I went to class, I just looked at her. If she'd have told me to go rob a bank, I think I would have. I just loved her. Well, that year, uh, we came back from lunch before Christmas break, and the big map, you remember the big maps we used to have on the chalkboard? The big map was down, and I wondered, what in the world is that for? And so we were all sitting there, and Miss Fuquay said, Boys and girls, I have an announcement to make. I said, I wonder what that is. And I was just thinking to myself, she's not leaving us. She can't leave us. And then she says, right now I am Miss Fuquay. And she raised the map and she says, when I come back from Christmas break, I'll be Mrs. Smith. My world fell. It crumbled. I went from an excelling A student down to I needed a lot of help. But, uh, you know, as, as you look back through your life and you can see those teachers that touched you, it's so meaningful. It really is. I loved my teachers. I was in military school. My English teacher in military school was, man, she was a disciplinarian. And she would have us to snap to attention when she called on us and uh, we would recite what we were supposed to recite. 
And one day she said, uh, Mr. Spillers, I'll see you after class. Yes, ma'am. And after class, I was sitting there wondering, what have I done this time? She put her hand on my shoulder, looked right in my eyes. And she said, I want to tell you something, boy. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you've got a lot of potential. But this one request I have of you. I said, what? She said, put your mind in gear before you throw the clutch out on your tongue. (laughs) And uh, I never have forgotten that. And she was also a very disciplinary when it came to the English language. And we had to learn how to diagram. Do y'all remember that? Diagramming? And then when I went to graduate school and, and others... When I had to learn other languages, I had a real step up because I knew how to diagram. And it was just awesome. And I'd look back and think, oh, thank you for all the input you gave me. When I went into college, because of the track I took in high school, I didn't have math. You remember back in the 40s, they did away with, you could go two different directions. You could go to college or general education. Well, if you give a boy an opportunity to not take algebra, what would he choose? Uh, general education. Then when I went to college, I had to take algebra. And I went to the bookstore and I got the remedial algebra book and I got the algebra book. They looked the same to me. And so I called my eighth grade teacher back. And I said, Miss Clements, I need your help. And she said, what, Ronnie? And I said, I need uh, you to tutor me in algebra. She said, I, can you come on Monday nights? I'll have supper ready at six. And I went over to her house that whole semester. And Mrs. Clements and I made a C in college algebra. <laughs> I told her I would have made an A if it hadn't been for her. Yeah. But, but what an awesome experience I had in school. I can look back and I can recount those wonderful days of being touched by people who are called to teach. And I think teaching is a call. I think you have to be called to be a teacher, at least to be a good teacher. And I thank God for all my teachers. Now, I want you to turn with me to the book of Daniel. I want to say some things about Daniel. How to be ten times better than your rivals in a strange land. I want you to read with me. I'm not going to ask you to stand because it's too long, okay? But just follow along with me in the book of Daniel. Chapter 1. Now, the first part of chapter 1 talks about uh, Daniel and his three friends who were taken uh, into captivity. You know, in 586 B.C., the Babylonians came and decimated Judah and that part of the world. And they took captives. And they really looked for sharp people. Uh, Now, they actually took these Jews... And they educated them. They educated them with wisdom and knowledge and understanding all of the learning of the king and the king's palace and all the people who could teach. They even learned the literature of the language of the Chaldeans. And in verse 9, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that they were to eat, of the wine that they were to drink, and of the uh, food that they were to eat along the way. 
And among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That they became Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in a culture that actually changed their names uh, to suit them. And the chief of the units gave them names. Daniel was called Belshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. Now look at verse 9. Even though they told them what they were to eat and how they were to act and uh, they were teaching them the etiquette of that culture. Listen to what Daniel did. But Daniel resolved that he would not devile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief eunuch. And the chief of the eunuchs said to David, I fear my Lord King who assigned you food that you were to drink. And so Daniel said, okay, let's have a contest. Uh, you let us eat this, and you go ahead and feed the others whatever you want to. And at the end of ten days, uh, let's see who comes out better. Well, then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who ate the king's food be observed by you. And deal with your servants according to what you see. Now, in verse 14. So he listened to them in this manner and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in the flesh than all the youths who were eating the king's food. So the steward took away their food and wine, and they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now, I want to tell you, children, eat your vegetables. It is a known fact that you'll do better eating your vegetables than eating all of those sweets. Amen? All right, now listen to this. And as for the four use, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom in Daniel had understanding of the visions and dreams. And at the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought to the chief of the eunuchs, brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel. And Anah, Michelle, and Azariah, therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, all the enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. So you see what happens when you do things God's way. You can have things ten times better. Our present state of education has been defined by many as a, uh, a boat without a rudder. A rudderless state of education. One writer said it's easier to find a gun in a locker than a Bible. It's also easier to find drug paraphernalia than a library book. Would you all agree with me that it's time for us to have a, a revival when it comes to our schools? Now, I know that in this area our schools are not quite uh, like other schools. And I know that we uh, are diligent about teaching. But man, when you look at the way education is going in this politically correct society, it is absolutely alarming. 
As a matter of fact, the Philadelphia Inquirer, in a survey, wrote this about, this is incoming college uh, freshmen. 69% couldn't even identify three African countries. 25% could not locate the former Soviet Union. 22% could not tell the two largest states in the United States. And 80% could not name the entire 50 states. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Listen to what's happening not only in that area, but let's look at Ph.D. students. These are people who are going for graduate degrees. Listen to what they're writing about. Here is a Ph.D. dissertation, Submerged Sensuality, Technology and Perceptions in Bathing. Now, I want to buy that book. What in the world are you wasting your time writing like that? Here's another one. Listen to this one. A functional approach to interpretations in conversations slash a mathematical approach. I think you only wait till that one hits the press. You know. Uh, look at some of the classes that college offers now. Here's one offered in uh, Vermont. Middleburg College, popular culture and eroticism in the films of Bridget Bardot. Now, parents, wouldn't you really like for your child to enroll in that class? Here's another one. It's amazing the way things are going in our society today. Now, here's one might not be too bad. Slimnastics and the ultimate frisbee. You know, uh, it's just amazing how... Uh, different things are. Uh, it really is alarming to some degree. Now, look, listen, this is the Academy of Religion. Uh, this dissertation was offered, Kill Us Softly, slash, How Women Kill in the Bible. Now, that's a religious institution. Can you imagine enrolling in a class like that? Well, I can't hardly wait to read about Delilah. God, give us a break. Here's another one. This is a new one. This class is offered in this university. Virtual touch in cyberspace. People are paying money to enter classes like that. We need... Uh, an academic revolution in America. We really do. We have an academic system that is anemic in our country today. God help us to return back to some sense of stability and equilibrium in our education. I tell you this, class of 2018, I believe this with all of my heart, that you can bring us back You can take us in a different direction. You can bring us back into where we need to be educationally as we teach our children about the things of God and the things that they really need to know. The first thing I want to tell you about Daniel and his three friends, know the wisdom and the culture that you're living in. Now, they were schooled in all knowledge, wisdom, And the culture, they even had to learn the Chaldean language, which was absolutely no simple feat. 
Uh, I know that many of you here have learned the languages, I'm sure. But those uh, languages are tough. As a matter of fact, I did German really well. I took three years of German. I took two years uh, of Greek. And I took as little of time as I could in Hebrew. But I had to have a year. I still remember some of it. But those are challenging languages because there's nothing even representative in the English language when you learn a language like that. Listen to this. That's Hebrew for, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I decided that since I learned that, I didn't need to know anything else about Hebrew. But they had to learn all these languages. They knew the culture. But here's what is so interesting. Did you pick up on it? The Bible says that Daniel did not defile himself. He made a commitment to God that in the context of all of that learning, in the context of all of that culture, that he was going to remain the same. He was going to be committed to God. Now, I want you to know something. Culture is not our enemy. It's not. Uh, we, We live in this culture. We can't be esoteric. That simply means to withdraw from it and just become a small little group. You know, we can't do that. We've been called to go and make disciples. So we just can't be an esoteric community. We've got to go and touch people with the message of Jesus Christ. Culture is not our enemy. But God gives you really wonderful insight when you make a commitment to stay the course. He really does. Look at what happened with Daniel, Meshach, uh, and Abednego, and Shadrach. You see, they did not waver from their commitment to the Lord God. They just wouldn't do it. In the midst of all that training and indoctrination, and incidentally, that's what a lot of education has become today, indoctrination. I like to be educated, not indoctrinated, don't you? For, for example... Uh, if I were to ask you, I already know the answer to this, so I'm not going to ask you. I'm just going to tell you, all right? If I were to talk to you about eschatology, the first thing you'd talk about is dispensational premillennialism because that's basically what's been taught in this part of the world for years and years and years and years. But do you know there are a lot more views than that? There really are, you know? So you don't put people down because of that. You just learn it. You learn them all. I remember one time when I was in seminary, They said, uh, today we're going to embark on learning something about the Old Testament. We're going to learn really about the one of these documentary hypotheses. And I said, what? They're going to learn the uses of the name of God and how this was done and how that was done. And I thought, man, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm wanting to get on getting on. I'm getting old. I want to get out and preach. I want to have a church. I want to hug necks. I want to lead somebody to Christ. And I'm talking about the Graf Wilhelm documentary hypothesis. You know, some of that was really good because one time I was talking to a, a student, and that student had absolutely been really disciplined in their reading, and they brought up the Graf Wilhelm documentary hypothesis. I said, <laughs> I could have a conversation, okay? That's exactly what happened to Daniel and his friends. The culture is not your enemy. You know what we can do to this culture? We can give them one answer better. We can be more committed. We can show them the light. 
We don't have to be like they are. Amen? So, the wisdom of the culture uh, is something very important for you to know. You need to know what's going on. You don't need to withdraw from what's going on. You don't need to participate in it to the degree that it touches your life and your integrity. But at the same time, it's not your enemy. You just have to be different. Amen? You have to give them a good answer. These people, the Bible said, because of their steadfast commitment to their faith in God, they became absolutely ten times better than their opponents. Listen to the testimony of Daniel. The fact is that uh, he remained true to God and true in his faith in the context of that pagan culture. As a matter of fact, he didn't get put down because of it. The king promoted him. The king promoted him to a different level because of his steadfastness in God. It was absolutely something. As a matter of fact, historians tell us that Daniel had influence into the king when the children of Israel came back under Cyrus to begin to rebuild the temple and Jerusalem. Uh, It was because of the leadership of this little boy, Daniel. Man, there's no telling what God's going to do with you guys. You know it? I'm serious. Just no telling what God's going to do with you. I was reading not too long ago about a young girl who is uh, so gifted far above our uh, even thoughts and imagination. And uh, she is pioneering how to do brain surgery in a different way than anybody has ever thought of it before. Wow! You know, what are you going to do? How are you going to change us? I don't know, but you're going to do it. Daniel's commitment to God was a beacon pointing others to truth in God. Even the king, he could not uh, just get over this man. You remember when he came and interpreted the the dream? It was all <laughs> Nobody could do this. How did you have it down so precisely? Because God placed it in his heart and in his mind. Secondly, know that compromise will defeat you. Verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Our culture has become a culture of tolerance. Compromise has now acquiesced to tolerance. No, we don't want to go there. We're just not going to do that. We're going to stand up for Jesus no matter where we're found. We're going to be found faithful. Amen? Uh, You'd be ten times better if you are. If you keep your mind and your heart on Jesus Christ, He's going to meet your needs. He's going to keep you going in the right direction. You're going to make a difference. Thirdly, know that God will honor your commitment. You will be ten times better. And this is God's design for you. It really is. God's design for you is to just shine. Let your little light shine. Amen? I know it's a simple concept, but it's a reality. When you let your little light shine, God will absolutely bless you beyond your dreams and imagination. Then, lastly, know that you need God every day of your life. Just know that. Know that. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. 
and all the things that you have need of will be added unto you. Believe that in your heart. Practice that in your prayer life. Practice that in the way you live. Just make sure that you don't become immersed in this culture and fade away in your faith. Stand out. Stand out. Just remember this. If you do, God is going to bless you ten times over. He really will. It's just awesome. The opportunities are just endless. This is a wonderful and exciting time to be alive. There's so many people who need the Lord. Uh, it's just the way you look at it. It's your perception. I remember reading a story one time where this man was sent to Africa, arrived on the ship. He was a shoe salesman. When he got to Africa, he, he worked so hard. He just never could get things going. He was over there like two years. Came back and they said, man, this was an absolutely worthless trip. That was horrible. Everybody over there is just, man, they don't want shoes. They sent another man over there. He was wiring back almost immediately. He said, thank God for sending me here. He said, everywhere I look, nobody has shoes. You see, you, you just have to understand that this is a great day to live. Look at it with hope and wonder and commitment. And when you stand firm in your faith, you'll be blessed ten times over. Do you believe that? Oh, yes, I, I believe that. I want that for you. Now, graduates, those of you who graduated from college, those of you who graduated from high school and others, I want you to listen to this. When you get what you want and you struggle for life, and the world makes you king and queen for a day, then go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that guy has to say. For it's not a man's father or mother or wife whose judgment upon you will pass, but the one whose verdict counts most in your life is the one staring back from the glass. Now, he's the one to please, and never mind all the rest, for he's with you clear up to the end, and you've passed your most dangerous, difficult test if the guy in the glass is your friend. Now, you may be like Jack Homer and chisel a plum and think you're a wonderful guy or girl, but the guy in the glass says you're a bum if you can't look him straight in the eye. You can fool the whole world down pathways of years, and you can get pats on the back as you pass, but your only reward will be heartache and tears if you cheated the man in the glass. Don't do that. Don't do that. Bring us home. Bring us home to a safe place, a wonderful mooring. Bring us back to no compromise in God. Bring us back to where we need to be. The class of 2018, would you bring us back to God? Let's pray together. In just a moment, I'm going to give an invitation. If you're here... And you've received Christ in your life, but you've never followed Him in believer's baptism. I'm going to ask you to come in just a moment. We'd love to pray with you. If you're here and 
you'd like to be a part of this little fellowship, God loves you. We need your help. We need to be a family. Amen? If you're here and you'd like to recommit your life, you can do that right where you are. But if you'd like to have prayer, come forward. We'll pray with you. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, just like Daniel, do it. And when you do what God says, you will be blessed. Let's stand together as I pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us this beautiful, wonderful picture in the Word of God. Thank you for Daniel. Thank you for his friends. Thank you for what they have told us today about faith and commitment. (laughs) Thank you. And now, Father, I pray for these who have graduated. God, help them to be empowered with your grace. Help them, God, to always be consistent. And may they bring us back to a wonderful place. Bring us home to the Father. Thank you for loving us, and thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray God will use this message for His glory in your life. If you would like more information, please feel free to contact us at info at OxfordBaptistChurch.com. Oxford Baptist Church is located in Oxford, Georgia. If you're close, we'd love to meet you.